0: You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Galatians, we're picking up where we left off last week. Greg uh, finished chapter 1, so we'll start in Galatians chapter 2, verse 1, and I'll be reading to verse 10 this morning. This is Paul speaking to the church. Then, after 14 years... false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy on our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they may bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, They gave me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. Let me pray for just a moment now after reading God's word. Lord, I thank you that you've given us this written word and you've given us your Holy Spirit among us as we read it. Thank you that you have Revealed yourself to us, God, even today in this gospel that Paul is speaking about. As we hear this, may you lead us to the way that we can be compelled or changed and grow by your presence in our lives through your son, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name, God, that we pray these things and that we bless you, our Father. Amen. One lesson that I had to learn as I transitioned from being a child to being an adult, there were many lessons, but one of them was the task of uh, buying groceries. I had to learn how to buy food for myself from the store. And as I say this aloud, it sounds pathetic, but we must remember that everything that we've learned at some point was new and a challenge to us. I saw something online once that said, never make fun of your mom for asking you how to use her iPhone because remember, she taught you how to use a spoon. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, the, the moms are like, yes, so true. I mean, it's fair enough. It's a good I I took that to heart and I never have when my mom asks me for help with her iPhone. So anyways, um, like I said, I had to learn how to go to the store and, and buy my own groceries or whatever. And so what I used to do was I'd arrive at Save-On Foods and I would have a general idea of what I thought I should get. And I'd walk through the doors and then I would wander around for like an hour, <laughs> like a super long time, going up and down the aisles and filling my arms with what I could carry. and i didn't get a cart because i think the cart was a symbol of um commitment and i felt like there was a it was too much of a burden to bring the cart and fill it up so i only would fill my arms and i'd leave a trail behind me of things and and drop it on the till the other thing that i didn't use was a list right so i'd go there and i would think to myself okay i need like These five things, it's only five things, I'm sure, I'm going to remember them all, it'll be fine. But as soon as I got home and opened the front door, of course, I'd think, unsalted butter. I didn't get the butter, that was the one thing I was actually going there to get. So this is how I survived for a while, and eventually I had to go grocery shopping with another person, and her name was Chris Lynn. Um... Kristalyn and I are different in many ways, and this is one area. As opposed to me, Kristalyn is, I would say, a talented grocery shopper. She's good at it, she's smart, she's efficient, and she uses a list. <laughs> That's probably the the main thing that I learned from her, was that um, I'm not too too good to use a list. In fact, I need one, if I'm going to get the things that I was supposed to go there for. And so... By the grace of God, as displayed in my future wife, I learned to use a list at the grocery store and 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 it helped me because I no longer uh, would would well, I shouldn't say no longer, but most of the time I would not come home, you know forgetting the most important thing that I actually went to get, because I had it written down. Um, but it's funny to think back to before those days and to how much time I wasted, right? I wasted a lot of time at the grocery store, messing around, buying the wrong stuff, coming home with Doritos, and that's it, <laughs> instead of instead of the good food that I was supposed to buy. Now that I am older and a tiny bit wiser, I hate wasting time, right? Especially on something uh, trivial like that. I mean, um, I'm trying to accomplish something. If, I just want to get it done. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to have to go back to the store and 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 all of that. No, let's just let's stick to the the plan in order to not waste time. In order to not run in vain. I'm talking about something small, insignificant, but it is frustrating when I do this, right? If I, if I go to the store and leave without what I was supposed to get, it's it's frustrating. We can imagine. Um, how frustrated and how intensely the apostle paul feels when he has the sense that perhaps he has wasted his time and it's like i said it's not on something insignificant it's something eternally significant and it's not just a small amount of time but here he tells us it's 14 years that he's been laboring and and planting churches and raising them up and correcting them and and surely, Paul's been suffering for the cause. Um, and so, in verse 2, he, he calls it running in vain. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, is the sense that, um, what does it mean when we feel that, what, what would it mean for us to have run in vain, and what can we do about it when we have the sense that perhaps we are running in vain or have been running in vain? Uh, Pastor Greg has already kind of filled us in on the context of the book of Galatians, or the the core of the conflict, and why Paul wrote the letter, but I'll I'll remind us a little bit um, about what's happening and why Paul is so frustrated, and perhaps as I read the passage you were listening and wondering what's going on, and why does Paul keep talking about circumcision for crying out loud? What's with all the talk about circumcision? It's weird for us, right? Unless you're already aware of what's going on but the problem is that there are people who uh, paul refers to as false brothers who are in the church and they're trying to add to the gospel of jesus and place a certain kind of burden upon those who would now be trying to follow jesus and the burden is a specific one and circumcision is the the symbol by which they would impose this, and that's the, the practice of Jewish law and Jewish religion, right? And so these are people who, um, they would say, yes, uh, sure, yeah, Jesus is the Messiah, we believe that, but he was also Jewish, right, and we're Jewish, and that was God's law for us. So if you're going to be a Christian, it's not just believing in Jesus, but you have to also live like a Jew if you want to be saved, if you want to be right with God. And this is not the gospel that uh, Paul received from Christ. This is not the gospel that he spent the past 14 years preaching. Okay, This is the gospel of Jesus plus something. And Paul's not okay with that. And neither should we. Because the message that Paul has been uh, bent on carrying, that he's been striving to, to spread this, this specific message to people, and as he said, to the, the Gentiles or the non Jewish people, is the good news that they too have been invited into eternal, righteous relationship with the one true God, all thanks to Jesus Christ. Right? This is the gospel that Jesus proclaimed to his followers. This is the gospel that Jesus delivered to Paul and, and saved Paul with, which is an incredible story. And it's the uh, it's the gospel that Paul has been compelled to continue carrying and to give his life to delivering to the non-Jewish people. Um, and Paul explains how this works because it's a theologically dense concept. How God would include and save those who were not a part of his Old Testament covenant and what that looks like. Uh, Paul explains this in Ephesians chapter 2 and Philippians chapter 3 and elsewhere in his letters as well, if you're interested in reading more about that, Um, because it's us for those who are not Jewish, it applies to us, and it's very important. But the bottom line is that the gospel is for all people, it's not just for the Israelites or the, the people who would adhere to Jewish tradition. Paul believes this message with all his heart. He wants to protect it. He wants to keep it simple and pure and the way that it was as Jesus spoke it to him. Otherwise, he says, his running could have been in vain. And it's not in vain because the message was wrong, but it's in vain because having delivered the right message, he's afraid that it's all going to fall apart, that it's going to you know, blow up and dissolve and cause division and and there will be all these different types of people and religions following Jesus because of the incorrect teachings of people like um, these Jewish Christians. So anyways, Galatians isn't the only place where Paul is, um, you know, concerned about doing everything for nothing. For, he, it's not the only place where he's Paul doesn't want to waste time, right? So there's other places where we read this in his writing. Uh, One such place is in 1 Corinthians, um, where Paul says to the church, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you. Here it is, unless you believed in vain. So he's saying, did I waste my time? Are you wasting your time? And if that's a question, then be reminded of the gospel. Receive it, stand on it, and be saved by it. And then he carries on, this is the gospel. Gospel is a word that I'll probably say 150 times in this message and that Christians use a lot, but uh, what is it? Well, here it is, verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And then uh, Paul carries on to describe more and more people who the resurrected Jesus appeared to, thus confirming uh, the witness of what has actually happened. There's all these people who Jesus uh, showed himself to after he was raised from the grave. That's the gospel, that's the bottom line message that Paul is traveling around, uh, planting churches by. It's it's in the name of Jesus and Jesus alone. And he, he says, remember this, stand firm on it, and be saved it's so simple right and that's the point and that's what paul's getting at in galatians is don't add to this don't mess with it don't believe people who are telling you that it takes jesus plus something to be saved because it's simply not true so in paul's case the audience was uh those who would be influenced by those Uh, Jewish Christians who still want to uh, teach that the the Jewish law is a requirement as well as Jesus in order to be saved. Hence all the talk about circumcision. Um, I read somewhere that Galatians chapter 2 is probably not a set of verses that you would find cross-stitched in your aunt's bathroom somewhere. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that it's... um, less important certainly um so for us we probably don't feel the pressure the same pressure to um adhere to jesus plus the jewish tradition but certainly it's worth asking ourselves um, what other additions to our faith in jesus might we be tempted to believe right are there pressures which you have given into in order to change, adapt, add to, or compromise, or embellish on the simple gospel of Jesus. Um, This can take many forms, and I'm actually not going to go into them today because I think next week will be more details on what that's about. But for now, the basic principle is that any message that tells us that we need more than Jesus to be right with God is not correct, and it will certainly lead us astray if we let it. And this is what Paul is frustrated with. Uh, that he's worried about, and that it's the thing which he feels has the power to undo the 14 years of work that he's been striving for with his uh, brothers for the churches. So like I said, we'll talk more about that next week, but if, as we think about that, the simple advice is, is from 1 Corinthians, return to the gospel, believe in it, stand firm in it, and be saved um, I also want to encourage us though today, because like I said, Paul's concerned that his faithful service of the gospel, um, serving God and, and, and doing what he's done would be in vain. It would be a waste of time. And I know that, um, at different parts in our lives, as we, uh, follow Jesus, as we serve him as our Lord and savior, uh, we're tempted to feel this way as well, that what we have done or perhaps what we will be doing will be a waste of time, that it won't, in fact, be worth it, or as Paul would say, that we've been running in vain. And You may not feel this way today, and praise God if that's you, but maybe you have in the past, or maybe you'll feel discouraged in this way in the future, and so I'd like to encourage us today by, um, again, reminding us of what Paul says, but also looking at what Paul does in in this place where he's anxious, okay? So let's look again at uh, Galatians chapter 2. Like I said, Paul uses the word running in vain. It's a metaphor when we think about running. Um, Running is hard. Running is hard. The thing about running is it it doesn't matter if you are super out of shape, you haven't ran since you were like five years old, it's going to be hard for you to run. Or... If you're super fit, and you're an athlete, and you do it all the time, well, guess what? Running's still super hard. <laughs> this is why running is the most humiliating sport in the world, because you'll never be good at it. You just can't, unless you're winning gold medals and stuff, and that's like superhuman. But it's always hard, okay? It's always hard to, to run, whether you're Gifted or not, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's a struggle and it's a challenge. It's difficult. So it's easy when you're out on a run to feel discouragement. It's natural for me to feel discouraged, right? When I'm, when I'm struggling and, and I'm maybe at the halfway point and home is just a little bit closer than, than my end goal and I can think, maybe it's so windy out and I'm so out of breath and I'm super thirsty and, uh, my, Bluetooth headphones are dead. I think I should just go home and quit this run to give up, right? I feel like I'm wasting my time. So this can be a metaphor for life, and this is what Paul suggests. Running, running in vain. If you're running in life, metaphorically speaking, and you feel tempted to believe that it's all in vain, what do you do? Or what do we do? How do we handle the prospect that, or that that voice in in our minds that tells us that it's it's in vain, it's a waste of time, you know, Um, it's going to be for nothing in the end, we'll never be fast enough, we'll never be fit enough, or whatever. What do we do with this? There are many things that we can do. Um, Like I said, we can give up and say, forget it. This is all for nothing. I've wasted my time. I don't like that. I'm just going to carry on with something else. It's not worth it to, to live this life with Jesus. This is the temptation. Don't give up when you're tired of running don't give up when you're uh you know tempted to think this way as like i said as we all will be from time to time don't give up don't stop don't throw in the towel instead uh, get back to the the simple beauty of the gospel which is what paul's already taught us don't give up as well um don't take shortcuts don't take shortcuts and this is what i would compare to what the false brothers are trying to get other christians to do and it's funny because it's like a shortcut but it ends up being a long cut doesn't it right it's like well maybe if i just change this and adapt um, the gospel to something that's a little bit different maybe it'll work out better for me and in the end but that's paul knows that that's not going to happen right if, if we start adding things to, to Jesus, if we start thinking that to be saved and to, to maybe be a good Christian or whatever, we have to, um, yes, have Jesus, but also a little of this or, or, yes, we're forgiven, but I also still have to do that and in order to have salvation, it's not gonna work out for us. Don't allow yourself to be so discouraged in your journey that you seek for God in the wrong places. Don't let your heart stray to those who would uh, take the gospel of Jesus and and add something else to it and tell you that that's the truth, because it's not. Okay, so that's what not to do, but what does Paul do? He says, you know, I've done this for 14 years, I'm concerned that I've been running in vain or that I will be running in vain. You know, I don't want to press forward on this mission if it's going to be for nothing. What do I do? So as we read in today's passage, Paul, uh, he took the gospel which he believed and he brought it to people who were supposedly important, he says, and he sought their counsel. Now it's easy when we read Paul's words to perhaps misinterpret his tone like yes he's really fired up but he's not actually attacking the other apostles and saying that they're you know they seemed important and whatever what he's actually saying is that i'm not going to these men because they're going to give me something special from god because of their position he says they're just other men as well and i want to hear from them and and ask them if you know their opinion on this if if it's if we're still on the same page or if everything has indeed been in vain, okay? So he takes his revelation, he takes the gospel that he's been sharing to these apostles again, and he says, look, are we on the same page? Am I running in vain? Is the gospel of Jesus still what we're all about here, or is is there something else that we're missing? Am I wasting my time, or should I keep running the course? And it's really cool that as Paul has this kind of confusing conversation about ministering to the Gentiles and the Jews and what's what's going on, it's cool that the result of that is that the apostles confirm his theology, and that, but they also remind him of the practice or the outcome of, of what he should be doing as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, if we read again chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, When James and Cephas and John, who seem to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, which means, yes, they they agreed completely, they're on the same page, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So that just means that Paul's going to continue ministering to those who aren't Jews, and the other apostles will be going out and, and spreading the gospel to those who are Jews. Verse 10, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So when we are discouraged in our faith, when we can't sort out the the process and we're concerned with perhaps where we're at or where we may be going, I think that we should be like Paul in, in seeking the wisdom of uh, other mature believers. We can be like Paul in taking stock of what we believe and, and laying it before other people, sharing it with others, and then listening for them to speak, uh, to perhaps confirm or correct, and speak the truth back to us, and and also remind us of... Uh, how it is we should be living it out, like it says in verse ten, for Paul to remember the poor, the thing he was compelled to do. Um, and I can I can speak from personal experience when I get discouraged in in general, but if I get discouraged in my faith and and in what what's going on, more often than not, all that it takes for God to revive me. And to bring me back is the act of speaking my mind and sharing what I'm thinking about, what's in my heart with someone who cares and letting them uh, listen, like I said, and and then point me back to the gospel and remind me of the truth. This is so powerful. I need to do this often when I'm discouraged. I'm encouraging you to do this as well. If you need this, If you're discouraged if you're wondering if everything is in vain don't try to continue running without uh, the encouragement of the christian community without, without the um the the teaching of other believers who can remind you of the gospel and who can bring you back to that place myself greg there's other leaders in this church or other places who you may know people who would love to um talk about And share the burdens that we carry and and, and remind us of the to to set our eyes on Jesus together, right? This is good to do. This is what Paul does and what I'm encouraging us to do uh, today. As well, again, I guess I'll remind us in verses 9 and 10, we hear that Paul says that they added nothing to him. This means that he, he was confirmed that the gospel that he carried was, was correct. It was the one that he should be carrying. He was not off base in his uh, belief and practice, but he was reminded of, of uh, what was important in, in how he was to serve, right? And this also should happen when we seek the counsel of other Christians, not just to uh, necessarily talk in hypothetical terms, and abstract ways but also uh, push one another and or perhaps remind one another of the ways that god's called us to uh, serve those who need help uh, to bring the good news to the poor by by actually you know feeding them and lifting them up and and there's so many ways that uh, we're called to do this together as a church and individuals but in any case wise counsel will remind you of the gospel and continue to uh, push you to find those areas and serve in those areas that you're called to do so okay freedom this is what we're talking about this morning Uh, freedom from the burden of the law freedom from sin um, ultimately freedom from from the curse of death through the blood of jesus christ Um, this is what jesus brings to us with what we now call the gospel this is what jesus accomplished for us um, and teaches to us and i wanted to actually read a passage where jesus specifically talks about freedom and and how and why he makes us free and the context is actually really interesting as we've been reading about the uh, the conflict in galatians listen to what jesus uh, tells his listeners in john chapter 8 So Jesus says to the Jews who had believed him, maybe these are the same people who later on uh, Paul's butting heads with in the church. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And if you know the truth, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Listen to their answer to him. We're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you, will, you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me, because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen in my Father, and you do what you have heard from your Father. This is a conflict that was at play even while Jesus was alive. It was the one which drove people to um, take such issue with what he said that they wanted to murder him. Jesus knows this, and he makes no pretense about it. He says it plainly to them, and they seek to kill him. And the drama continues uh, later on in the early church, as we've been reading. As we know, the plot to kill Jesus was uh, completed. This is indeed what happened at the end of Jesus' life on earth. As he said, his words had no place in their hearts and the hearts of the powerful people and religious leaders of the day so they made a plot to kill him but before they did that i'll read from first corinthians on the night that he was betrayed he took bread and when he'd given thanks he broke it he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way he took the cup after supper saying uh the 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 practice which Jesus gave us as a way as he uh as he said of proclaiming his name until he comes this is a way that we can respond to Jesus and once again uh receive the freedom that we have in Christ we have the opportunity this morning to to do this to receive communion uh, with humility and thanksgiving let our hearts be humble this morning to repent of sin and to come to the table and receive the grace of God freely and not in an unworthy manner, but in the right way. As we do this, we'll receive, again, the grace that God freely pours out on us as we seek him in this way. Let communion remind us of the simplicity of the gospel which we heard in just those couple verses from 1 Corinthians, right? that Jesus lived, that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, and on the third day, he was alive and he rose from the grave. And after appearing to many, he ascended to the right hand of God, where he now reigns in glory and forevermore. If you believe this message, you are saved, you're forgiven, and you're made right before God by the blood of Christ and nothing else. God's love is poured out for us today as we are invited to remember, receive, and proclaim the name of Jesus.